Welcome to Missions Corner. Our goal at Missions Corner is to bring you stories straight from the mission fields, both locally and from around the world, in hopes of inspiring you to get out and go live the abundant life that Jesus has called you to. Still as true today as when Jesus first said it, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Today we join Jason Franzo and Christine Morse in part one of a three-part conversation with Sean and Kay Levesque of Love to Hope. Sean and Kay are the executive directors of Love to Hope, which is committed to raising awareness on human trafficking and sex trafficking. Today they'll share their testimony of how they were first saved and how God eventually led them to leave lucrative careers, sell most of their worldly possessions, and head out on the road with their three kids to bring human trafficking awareness to the masses. Let's listen in. All right, welcome back to Mission Corners. I'm Jason Pranzo. And I am Christine Morse. And we are here with Sean and Kay Levesque of Love to Hope. Yep. Hi, guys. Nice to have you. Hello. Good to be here. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Really looking forward to this. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, for our listeners, uh, I'm sure you can probably tell by the audio that uh, Sean and Kay are not with us in person. So uh, where are you guys at currently? We live in Wilmer, Minnesota, which is West Central Minnesota right now. Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. And and, and you guys have founded Love to Hope? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. That started way back in 2012. We didn't launch into our, or I guess really start Love to Hope until about 2016 and then launched a road tour in 2017. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, before we get too far into Love to Hope, I'd love to hear you, love to hear your testimony. God's so faithful. Uh, for, For me, I was fortunate to be born into a Christian family and, um, just real privilege to be raised in a family that loved the Lord with parents that honored his word and taught us his word from a very young age. And they set the example to me of saying yes to God, uh, no matter what he asks. When I was six years old, we adopted three kids or they adopted three kids. And so I had Three new siblings join our family. We became the Brady Bunch, three boys and three girls. Wow, what, and, what was that like? Yeah. <laughs> Instantly, you have three new siblings. Right, yeah. I mean, I was six and my childhood memory is uh, not amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> as, far as, what is it, as far as what I remember. But uh, it was a different dynamic. Those children came from an abusive home. So they were uh, physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. And so when they came into our home, um, they they brought in that sort of traumatic baggage that um, that can happen. And so I was able to really grow up seeing firsthand the effects of trauma. So um, just understanding that abused and traumatized don't always think or react or process or move forward or interpret the world the way that we assume or expect or sometimes even desire. So it was uh, just, it was interesting to grow up within that and, and to observe my parents' obedience in that to love and to obey and to um, just take the good and the bad all together and let God do the work. And so really from the very beginning established an understanding of trauma kids and what the effects of trauma can be. It's interesting when you look back as an adult into how God has 
woven certain threads throughout your life yeah. mm-hmm. um, to lead you to the point where you are. So as I look back through the filter of love to hope and anti-trafficking work, that's sort of the lens that you can pull some of those stories through. So mm-hmm. understanding trauma from a young age is very pivotal when you're in a field that deals with so many traumatic or traumatized victims. So well, it, yeah, I mean, I, I can just imagine how that shapes your personality. They say sure, that hurting yeah. people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I imagine it was pretty difficult with three siblings was, who underwent that trauma. Yeah, it was at times. My parents are rock stars. And so they, they, I, I didn't have a difficult childhood. Mm-hmm. There were yeah. moments that, you know, you, your eyes are opened to how hard my adopted siblings childhood was prior to coming to us and um, how privileged I was to be raised in a home that I didn't experience those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Puts things into perspective, huh? Yeah, it sure does. Overall blessed, just real honor to see, I think the legacy of obedience and love mm-hmm. and unconditional love that was laid down and just recognizing that it's God who heals and it's God who guides and it's God who does the work and we just stay obedient to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was settled in so young and modeled by my parents and has been just over the years. When I was 15, I attended a Bible camp, uh, wanted to go on a missions trip. And so we needed to raise some money. That's when I was able to hear a speaker who really talked about the importance of God being first in your life. And that was when I recommitted my life to the Lord at 15. And I, I told him, not only did I want him to be number one in my life, but I wanted, I I didn't want anything else that was taking Mm -hmm. his place. I wanted him to remove anything in my life that was coming before him. And so I didn't really understand the hold that my image had. I felt I was really pursuing my looks and that was such an important thing for me. And so when I prayed that prayer, God just he just had to show me in a huge way that um, that that was kind of something that was taking precedence over him. And so for two years, I went through chronic urticaria where I was covered in hives from head to toe. Oh, my um, gosh. oh no. <laughs> I, I, I have it, I have so many stories, but the whole entire podcast would be about that if we went on. So <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that God removed the idol of my image of my looks by allowing me to experience that. And within that. Um, I was able to recognize the importance of a heart that is following after him, Mm -hmm. a heart that is in tune to his word, um, recognizing what truly is valuable. And um, and throughout sort of those trials, I spent a good deal of time finding my comfort in his in his word and really recognizing that he needed to always be first in my life. Eventually, the hives did go away kind of as mysteriously as they came. (laughs) But about six to nine months after that, I had another uh, skin problem called facial flat warts, and they covered my face for about nine months. And at that time, I was in college and I didn't handle that sort of new thing from the Lord very well. I was kind of angry and figuring I had learned a lot of things. And when that happened, I went through this season of being just really upset at the Lord, wondering why he uses difficult things like that to teach us. And Mm -hmm. eventually, um, long, very long story shorter, I surrendered to his process and he 
provided a miraculous healing for me. I would love mm-hmm. to tell that story. Someone had to be a part of that. We were actually engaged at that time, mm-hmm. but um, he provided an opportunity for um, me to be healed. I was just prayed over by a pastor and the circumstances and how I got to that pastor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Um, I'd love to tell all of it, but but on I the side of the road, yeah. it was on the side of the road. It was, it was really such an amazing God story. So maybe for another podcast, <laughs> okay, miracle series. <laughs> but I lay all that out to say, as we look back at some of those life changing, pivotal moments in our life, we begin to see the thread that God is weaving of showing us who He is, of showing us what being obedient to Him looks like, of showing us that He's going to provide, He's going to heal, He's going to protect, um, and just strengthening our faith because he knows the plans that he has for us and he's prepared in advance good works for us to do and in order for us to be able to say yes to those things we sometimes have to we have to experience a lot of things as we grow as Mm -hmm. we grow up physically and as we grow up spiritually and so that was some points of my excuse me of my testimony that just allow me to recognize that god is at work Mm -hmm. that god is good and that God calls really anyone to be used to help other people mm-hmm. I like, and to know him more. So I, I like how you put that where I hear Jeremiah 29, 11, mm-hmm. and then I hear mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, 10 kind of yep. melded kind of together them in there. That, yep. that he doesn't have an intent to harm us, mm-hmm. right? That, that mm-hmm. he does everything for our good, even if we don't see it in the moment and seeing how attached you were to your your appearance and that the lord mm-hmm. used that to make you to take it from you to make you more dependent on him mm-hmm. and yeah. you know it, it, it's it's funny because being mad at him is such a natural reaction but then you look at the backside right you right. look on the backside and see the dependence and all of the other things and i i gotta ask the question how many other people in your life were blessed around you because of the affliction that you that he gave to you right and how would we ever know that right. you yeah. know and that's just the beauty of living a life surrendered to the lord and letting him use you as you don't yeah. know the impact mm-hmm. you don't know who's watching you don't know the ripple effect mm-hmm. of, of what your obedience you know can can cause yeah yeah well we've been able to share that story yeah in greater detail than we do to are tonight with lot a lot of people mm-hmm. and they have been blessed by it and touched by it from women's events that you've spoken at to just table conversations with other couples yeah who love to hope events where it just let the conversation led down that road so mm-hmm. countless and yeah. probably countless more that we don't know about yeah <laughs> that's you know and, and, and what a blessing that it is right because at the end of the day there's nothing more powerful than i don't know much but i know what jesus did for me Mm -hmm. you know especially when it comes to people who want to refute and well i i don't know much but i do know what jesus did for me and i can't explain it any other way absolutely i I was gonna say i remember when we were sitting because for the audience Kay and Sean and I know a little bit, know each other a little bit better than Jason knows them. Um, And I remember sitting with you guys at the ball game and Kay, you sharing a little bit of your testimony with me and it was before we got pregnant with Rowan. And that was like a little thing that I got to hold on to hope wise. Um, And so just always kind of held on to it. And so it's just like really awesome how like Mm -hmm. 
you know, the different parts of your life can, and it's just a small piece of it, you know, like right. that was able to affect me. And, um, so yeah, yeah. you never I know just, how, you never know yeah. how, how the, your testimony will affect somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of so testimony, good. uh, Sean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's put you on the spot now. You gotta share a little, sure. Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You bet. Um, my story did not start the same way Case did. I, you know, I had loving parents, super hardworking parents, but they were just not in love with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember actually even going to church as a child. We might have over Easter and Christmas, you know, those type of typical holidays. But well, um, well, you have to check the box, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And so when I look back, it uh, it was a good childhood in that. They uh, loved us well by providing for us in ways that they weren't able to have when they were kids. Yeah. And so what was modeled for me growing up is do everything you can to create an environment that your kids can be successful in and stri- and thrive. Um, my parents at one point were working five jobs. Uh, wow. Um, yeah. They just always had multiple things going on and uh, wanted to give us the things that they didn't have as kids. Sadly, the part that was missing is doing it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing it for us, which is, I think, an important thing to note because we as Christians can make our families an idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not even realize we're doing it. You yeah, know? absolutely. And obviously they're not work walking with the Lord, so they wouldn't uh, have that filter to look at that through. But uh, considering the audience we're talking about, I think it's an important thing to think about mm-hmm. as we do try and provide for our kids. Yeah. Um, to remember um, that we relinquish everything to the cross, and that includes our children. Mm-hmm. It is laying everything at the foot of the cross every day and saying, what will you have me do? Mm-hmm. And so with that as something that I went into young adulthood with, I wasn't able to ever attend church with my my parents. <laughs> What's crazy is my sister starting started attending a church when she could drive in high school, and she took me with her to this little church in Minot, North Dakota called Faith Family Church. I think it's called oh, Northland. Northland, Northland, Northland yeah. Harvest. Yep. Yeah. Yes, Northland Harvest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, And so I was going, and I wasn't going long, and they said, We'd like you to go to camp. And so I went to camp for all the wrong reasons. I wanted to have fun. There was a girl that I thought was pretty cute. And, uh, <laughs> but what happened at that camp is God got a hold of my heart. And I experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that I uh, never had before. Mm-hmm. I prayed to receive Jesus there. And uh, there was something that happened to me. And I remember it so clearly. Yeah. It was very vivid. Sadly, my, my sister quit going to that church. And so my ride uh, stopped. <laughs> and so I quit going. Um, and so that continued all through high school and into college that I wasn't attached to any particular church. Um, and like my parents, I entered into college. Well, I worked all through high school, two jobs, and I got into college, got a third job and, yeah. <laughs> and then was taking 22 credits. And it was in a downward spiral that I found myself and, uh, just, uh, ended up in a pit mm-hmm. at the bottom of a pit and, uh, was looking at just darkness all around me and depression set in there was alcohol involved and uh felt like the lord was saying i'm done with you and obviously I, we know that that was the enemy speaking yeah it's another part of my story i like to share because i know that there are a lot of people struggling uh with those issues of loneliness with despair mm-hmm. and uh it really is the lord that can bring you out of that mm-hmm. a full yeah. commitment to the lord and sometimes we hold on to things that hurt us so much because we fear sometimes what the change could look like. 
Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Uh, that's with human trafficking victims as well. They stay in the life so often because they fear more what the world will be like if they were to leave that mm-hmm. really? than what they fear because they know they know what they're in uh, and they know what to expect. And when you think about taking a step where there's change, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. And there's a healthy fear there. And so I like to share this with people, letting them know that, golly, if you are in that spot and you um, and you just don't know what to do next, Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He is the answer for everything. And he can bring you out of it. And so it was uh, one evening I was going to go sit in the, my car and shut the garage door. And as I was walking um, and leave the car running, and that's how I was going to end my life, I as I was walking over the threshold of the door, I just, the Holy Spirit told me to call my parents. So I did. And uh, one thing led to the other, went to all the details. That's a whole nother podcast. It, God is just so sweet. I um, ended up going back home. I was house sitting at the time. Um, even though I was living in an apartment, I was house sitting and I was going to go back and I just needed to tell my parents. I needed someone to know because I kind of scared myself there. And uh, I went and when I got there, there were two pastors that uh, showed up at the door. And those pastors came because my sister was attending the college and career group at First Baptist Church in Minot and happened to have a business card of the pastor sitting on the counter. So my mom and dad, obviously, in despair themselves after hearing me share with them what I had, saw the card and called them. They were at my house within 15 minutes, Yeah, both the senior pastor and the associate. And I recommitted my life to Christ, back to Christ that night. And uh, I would love to say it was uh, roses and rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> but uh, it was still a struggle. However, I was grounded. Mm-hmm. I was more grounded then. Yeah. And it is because of that in another podcast that we could talk about the miracles <laughs> that took place to meet my wife. Yeah. And uh, it is because of that that I ended up going to the church where I met Kay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we ended up getting married in 2000. And, uh, and so as we lived, you know, uh, through our marriage, consistently trying to do things that uh, um, the Lord would have us do, walk within His will. For me, it was uh, trying to succeed and give it to the Lord while I succeeded. And that was keeping God in the passenger seat, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that is not the place to keep Him. Nope. And uh, He's a much better so, driver. <laughs> oh, man, He sure is. Although He does yeah, like we, to go off-road, no, I've heard that from time to time. <laughs> Yes. He does. He, he does. <laughs> so we crashed and burned a number of times in our marriage, a handful of different things. You know, his last trials that come at you uh, yeah. when you aren't obeying and walking in his will. And even when you are, he yeah. goes off roading, like you said. <laughs> so you just have to be prepared for it all. Yeah. And uh, and so it was in 2015. So I had worked my way up my, the, the success ladder in the fitness industry for 15 years and was finally able to make a decent living. And I could have done that forever at that time. Like, I love this. I love what I'm doing. I get to help a lot of people. Yeah. And I went to a, uh, a men's retreat that my CEO, the CEO of the company I was working for invited me to. And I'd said no to him two times prior, <laughs> but he didn't quit. <laughs> and now I know why he didn't quit, because uh, the Holy Spirit was telling him to keep asking. And I finally went and uh, something happened to me when I was there. And and I woke up on Monday morning with this commitment in my life to live in full surrender. And that was putting my hands out each day and saying, Jesus, here are my gifts and my life experiences that you blessed me with. Mm-hmm. And here is my sh- my sin. 
and my issues and all the junk in my life. I'm giving them all to you, but I'm going to do it every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to really live in surrender. And I just want you to know whatever you want from me, Lord, it's yours. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long after that, um, probably eight months that uh, he spurred something in me. <laughs> and uh, I came home and told Kay, uh, I know what we're supposed to do. And that was the birth of love to hope. Mm-hmm. When I came home and told her uh, after a conference, uh, we're going to sell everything and I'm going to leave my job and we're going to travel mm-hmm. and we're going to talk on human trafficking because we had been working in the trafficking anti-trafficking world for about four years at that point. Mm-hmm. And we had been praying, what more can we do, God? What more can we do? And we were laying that at, a, at the cross and uh, he knew what we yeah. were eventually going to do. Uh, but when he said go, he yeah. made it clear that he wanted us to go. go yeah. And, uh, oh my goodness. It, uh, it was uh, a whirlwind that first couple of days as uh, I came home and woke Kay up at midnight and told her this amazing journey that we're going to start. <laughs> and very quickly, though, he spoke to Kay, softened her heart, and helped her realize what it could look like if there was a, uh, more of a plan. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a planner. So much. <laughs> I'm a Holy Spirit kind of guy. Okay. Just jump I in. can relate. Jump in with both Holy feet. And... Like plans. Yeah. God's got order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're so different. We're so different. Uh, Thank goodness we were together right? because it would have been a disaster if I had done this on my own. It would yeah. have been you but, leaving uh, at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. you know, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pack a bag in a tent. We're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. You know, uh, and it's funny, uh, Kate, how I can just imagine because actually how your dynamic uh, with Sean is just how my wife Jana and I are. Mm-hmm. I'm very much the let's jump in with both feet, and <laughs> she's very much the planner. And she looks at me like I'm nuts whenever I said, "Hey, babe, the Lord told us to move to Minot, North Dakota again <laughs> for the third time." So I, I do have to ask a question since you already uh, you started talking about the beginning, the early beginnings of love to hope and selling everything and, and getting ready to, to, to move. And of course, Kay, you're shell shocked at that, (laughs) at that particular time. Um, but you had also, Sean, you had also mentioned that before you were involved in, um, speaking out and working against human trafficking at, at least four years prior to that. So how did you guys end up involved in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all her fault. So. <laughs> yeah. His fault we hit the road. My fault we started anything in the first place. So oh, that's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all God's leading. Yes. So it was uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. I had a sleepless night. I got up to watch some television and um, a movie was playing. The movie was about a sex slave. And I remember being horrified. I remember thinking what what happened to Hollywood that this has become a plot line to a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, how dark did we get, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, this is romanticized. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, but I wanted to see if the girl got rescued. So I watched the whole movie and <laughs> she did, but it was what followed the movie, which was a documentary. And the documentary made me realize that everything pretty much that I had seen in the movie was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And that was the night that, I'd say eyes open, heart broken. Mm-hmm. That was the night that God changed everything for me. I was completely shell-shocked. I had heard the phrase human trafficking. I probably had heard the phrase sex trafficking and just never brought it home. Mm-hmm. You know, the human mm-hmm. trafficking was, I don't know, people working in rock quarries somewhere. It mm-hmm. was somewhere over there. 
I never really understood it when I watched that documentary and realized that human trafficking was slavery looked like children, looked like children being sold for sex was happening in the United States. My mind could not get around that. I had a five-year-old daughter at the time. So we have three children. They're all getting all grown up. We've got an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. They're all teenagers. Pray for us. (laughs) They're good kids, though. (laughs) They are. They are. But Renee was five. And I just thought, what if that were Renee? What? What would I do? What would I not do? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I didn't have a very good night's sleep that night. But the next morning, I just began the research. Um, I wanted to fact check. I wanted to understand. I wanted to know more about this thing I'd heard about the night before. And I entered um, the world of information way faster than I was emotionally capable of receiving. Mm-hmm. So while this, this yeah. is a dark topic, the Bible says, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And so we have to be careful just because a topic is hard. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn about it. Doesn't yeah. mean we should know. It just means we have to be careful at yeah. what we are yeah. capable of receiving and we have to have enough self care. And enough- Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us on the next episode of Missions Corner for part two of our interview with Sean and Kay Levesque of Love to Hope. At Missions Corner, we pray that this episode has fueled your passion to fully live the life Jesus has called you to. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Jesus saved us for a reason. He gave us a purpose. That purpose is to win people to Christ, disciple them in Christ, and send them out for Christ. You can listen to this podcast on demand for free on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or visit missionscorner.com. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord has greatly blessed you.